pictures uh, that we have out there on our website there. And um, this was in, in Acts 17, 28. says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his, his offspring. Uh, but I especially like the beginning of that verse, for in him we live and move and have our being. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just a, that's just a good uh, verse to meditate on him. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to read all these translations. I've got a bunch of translations of that. Uh, one of them is for, uh, in the strength of God, we live, uh, uh, we all live, we move around and have our personal identity. Uh, and another one says, um, for in him we have life and motion and existence. Uh, so everything you do, uh, how you move, uh, is uh, because of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so in him we live and move and have our being. So all that we are can be in him. Amen. That's really his desire. And that's what uh, uh, can be a goal for our lives. And in every aspect of our lives, everything we do uh, should be enveloped in the Lord. Uh, and, um, you know, I've seen over the years where sometimes in the church uh, that people will say, well, you know, we shouldn't be super religious. We shouldn't be, um, you know, we shouldn't wear Christianity, you know, where it's obvious all the time because that makes people uncomfortable. Uh, and, um, you know, that's not really how Jesus operated. And, you know, I, uh, you don't have to talk about the righteousness of God every time you eat lunch or anything. Uh, but I think it's perfectly fine to be a Christian all the time, you know, to act like a Christian, to talk like a Christian, you know, to not have to compromise around the people uh, that are around you. And, um, you know, and now some people in the world won't like that. And, you know, I had a boss one time looked at me and said, well, you know, good guys finish last. It's like, you've never actually read the Bible, have you? I mean, you know, I mean, who finishes last? All the bad people finish last, right? All the good people finish first. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I usually didn't say anything, but, you know, I just looked at him and said, well, that's not true at all, you know. Uh, and, of course, uh, about that time, he and I, you know, before that time, he and I would always get along well until he tried to exceed uh, my level of ethics there and asked me to do things that were, uh, that I couldn't do. And so after that, then I was, I was the golden boy, but after that, you know, I was the boy who, you know, who couldn't be trusted. But, you know, being trusted by some people means that uh, you will do anything, whether it's unethical or not, uh, on behalf of somebody else. But that's not being trustworthy. Uh, that's uh, really being untrustworthy. But, um, uh, but yeah, he said, good guys finish last. You know that, don't you? And it's like, wow, you, you don't really have met the Lord, have you, right? Because you met the Lord. Uh, aren't we above and not beneath? Aren't we the head and not the tail? Aren't we blessed coming in and blessed going out? Aren't we blessed in the city, blessed in the country? I mean, if any of that's last, then that's where I want to live, right there, right? But all that's what? Top shelf, right? The Lord desires us to live top shelf life all of our lives. I mean, it doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with situations and circumstances. Uh, we do. But as far as you're concerned, you can always be okay. Uh, you can always be blessed, healed, protected, prosperous, of a sound mind. Uh, that's the, the desire that the Lord has for you. And it never changes. His desire is always that way. Amen. And so... Uh, so it's good. Everything that you have, every thought that you can have can be uh, infused by the power of God and by the presence of, of the Lord Most High. And I believe that's the way he desires for us to live. Amen. Uh, and in that, then, uh, I mean, uh, you know, there are people who have so much money and they would give every penny to, to live one day, day in, in health. Uh, and you get that for free. Uh, you know, there are people who struggle with uh, anxiety every day. 
and would desire to have one day just from freedom from all that anxiety. And you have the right to live in perfect peace every single day uh, by the power of God. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, you don't have to earn it. Uh, it's a pretty sweet deal, right? Uh, and so I got no problem acting like a Christian. And, uh, and so the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Among us, Father, we thank you that you are holy, and you instructed us in your word, Father, for us to be holy, even as you are holy. So, Father, we have the capacity and the ability, Father, to be holy, to be like you, Father, to be like the Most High God. Father, you dwell in us. You strengthen us, Father. You grant unto us wisdom and understanding. Father, you fill us. You order our steps, Father. You guide our paths. Father, we thank you for being good to us, Father. And being kind towards us. Father, we thank you. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things, Father. Jesus name. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, um, holiness is, uh, uh, or holy, you know, being holy, holiness, uh, it's really a pretty difficult word to define if you go and research, you know, what's the definition of holiness, what's the definition of holy. Um, you know, a lot of people think that holiness is the absence of sin. Uh, but that's really kind of a, a small definition of holiness, you know, and, and it's really gets the, gets the cart before the horse because holiness is not the absence of sin. Uh, being holy will result in you not sinning. But a lot of times Christians become sin conscious and they think, well, I've got a, here's a list of bad things that I'm going to make sure I don't do. I don't do this one. I don't do that one. I don't do that one. And really, you're, you're really sin conscious if you're if that's your motivation is I've got a list of bad things that I'm not going to do. And many times, it's not necessarily all the time, but many times that will result in you being a, a prideful person. Uh, hey, I'm not doing this, but you are, so I must be better than you. Because you're measuring things in the natural realm. You're measuring the things that you can see in, this, in the realm that you can observe. Uh, and anything that you do that's only measured by the natural realm, it's not of the spirit. It's of the, of the natural world that you live in. Uh, and, and really, if you go through and research the, the word holy, it means to be like God. Uh, and, and there's no one like him. And that's what it means to be holy, is to be like him and like no one else. And, and if you're like him, how much sinning will you be doing? Well, you won't be doing any sinning at all. So to be holy is to be like him, to be unique. And, you know, of course, Romans tells us to not be conformed to this world. Uh, and you can't be conformed to this world and be holy. Now, you know, there's a lot of uh, people in the world that have character, right? They don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. But if that's your, if that's your plan to be like them, then uh, you're not really holy uh, and you're not necessarily, without, not necessarily in sin, but you're not like the, like the Lord God, amen? To be like the Lord God is, is to just live and breathe His Word, live and breathe His Spirit, and to be like Him. And, and what you'll find is if you will do that, if you will pursue Him, and being like him, 
then you won't have sin in your life. You know, uh, uh, of course, you know, my, one of my favorite scriptures there is Galatians 5.16. This is, if we walk in the spirit, we will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. And um, uh, that's such a good verse because uh, it, it tells you the right priorities you have in your life. You know, some people, and I, you know, I was watching one minister one time, he's banging on the pulpit. You know, you've got to preach hard against sin. Uh, well, you know, if Galatians 5.16 says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we walk in the Spirit, there will not be any sin in our lives. Seems like to me that what we've got to focus on is how to walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, the fruit of that will be a life without sin. That would be a much better life than just being a life without sin, but not necessarily walking in the Spirit. You know, you can just walk and be a person of character, not lie, cheat, or steal, but you won't be a person of the Spirit. You know, just, you'll be a person who just, you know, mows the yard and votes when they're supposed to and, you know, doesn't kick the neighbor's dog. And, you know, you I mean, you're, you're a person that doesn't do bad things, but you're not necessarily a person who is motivated by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. You know, you're led by the things that you can observe in this natural realm. So it's really a, a better... Uh, I think the church should focus on, because that's what the word, the word of God tells us, that if we walk in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit just means that everything you do, uh, to, to the best of your extent, you know that it's the will of God that you're doing that. You know that the Lord wants you to do that, either by His Word, always first, or by His Spirit. You know, the Spirit of God has directed you to go there, or to do that, or to buy that, or to sell that, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. And if you'll, if you'll walk in the Spirit, then the fruit of that is you'll be a, a person who lives without sin. Amen? And that's a lot better way to do it. And at the end of it, you now have no, not only do you have no sin, but you also have uh, a relationship with the Spirit of God, which is what you want to develop in your life. Uh, and and so, um, so being holy is like being like the Lord God. Amen? Uh, it, it's not being without sin. That is the fruit of being holy. Amen? Uh, that that is not how you become holy is to remove sin out of your life amen uh, and so sometimes we get things kind of backwards in the word of god in fact if you go through and we're not going to go through right now but if you go through the fruit of the spirit you know the fruit of the spirit uh, i mean what's it's called the fruit of the spirit right so that means it's a result of something else right fruit is always the result of some prior action right if you go to uh you go to an apple tree or any tree like that you know, what has to happen before fruit can be produced on that tree? It has to be pollinated, right? And, and, and the, the bees have to do their part, right? We're not going to go through a biology class today, but uh, the bees do their part, and then fruit happens. If you put a tree in a box, you know, even in a glass box that bees can't get to it, it will produce no fruit, will it? Because it can't be pollinated. And so, uh, so the fruit is a result of some prior action. And so a lot of times people... You know, talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, kindness, temperance. Uh, and, and they say, well, I, I want to do that. But you don't, that's not your goal. Your goal is to, is to do the things that produces that, right? And so we don't have time to go into all of those things. But a lot of times people want, uh, they, they want some fruit of the Spirit, like peace, right? And I think peace is a great example. Well, Lord, give me peace. Uh, and, of course, Jesus said he'd give you peace. But then if you go to Philippians 4, 6, it says uh, that uh, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, verse 7, will guard your heart and mind. So the peace of God is a fruit. It's a fruit of the prior action of you praying. 
uh, about the things that you have desires of in your life, right? And, and to not be worried, not to be worrying. So uh, people think that uh, if I can just have peace, I won't worry. But Philippians 4, 6 says, if you have worry, you should pray about it. And the result of you praying in faith will result in you having peace. So uh, we, we have to, uh, you know, we, we need to read the scriptures the way they are written so that we understand how to obtain the promises. We want to obtain the promises of God. Don't you want to walk in all the fullness of the word of God? But, but there's so much um, just, uh, well, Lord, just give that to me. Or, you know, we're not willing to follow the process the word of God has instructed us. But if we'll do that, we have access to all the blessings of heaven. Amen. Uh, and so it's a it's a good um, uh, it, it's it's good to know some of those things that help us. Amen. So let's turn over to, to Mark chapter 16. We'll get started there today. And uh, so we're talking about the anointing of God and, and the anointing of God is the manifest presence of God as he operates in the earth. Right. And so uh, it's uh, it's really from and by the presence of God, by the Holy Spirit, right? So we know God the Father, God the Son, God the, God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father's in heaven. He's on the throne. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right? So he, he, he's in heaven. Now, uh, he can if he wants to, if he desires, and he has. He can come to the earth, right, and visit. He can if he wants to, if he desires, and he has. He can come to the earth, right, and visit. Didn't he visit uh, people on the earth occasion? And we've heard many of stories where the Lord has visited people on the earth. He has a right to do that. His people are on the earth. His body is on the earth. So uh, he can do that anytime he wants to. But the primary part of the Lord that is in operation on the earth is the Holy Spirit. And so really, when you teach about the anointing, you're teaching about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? You're teaching about, um, uh, about his work in the earth, amen? Uh, and so we want to find out how do we take advantage of that? And so this verse is, is where we want to start. In uh, Mark 16, uh, verse 20, this is kind of our foundation scripture. Uh, this is after the Great Commission that he listed there, starting in verse 15, all the things that the church should do as they go out and preach the gospel. And it says in verse 20, and, as, as, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working, what? What's that next word? With them. The Lord working with them uh, and confirming the word with signs following. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, a lot of people in a church work for the Lord. Well, I'm doing the Lord's business, right? I'm doing the Lord's work. And that's great. We should be doing the Lord's business. We should be doing the Lord's work. But the Lord wants to work with us, alongside us. And, and what part of the Lord is working with us and alongside us? It's the anointing of God. It's the power of God that operates in our lives. Uh, and that whole concept of the Lord working with us is pretty foreign to the church, right? I mean, if you talk to your average Christian about well, well uh, what are you and the Lord doing today? They'll look at you like, what are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean doing, doing with me? I mean, I work for him. Well, that's, you're, that's correct. You do work for him. But he said that the Lord was working with the, 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 uh, these disciples as they went out uh, doing what he said for them to do, which is to preach the gospel to all the world. Uh, and so that includes all of us, right? Not just the ministry gifts, but includes all of us because we live in the New Testament. Uh, and so we talked about how in the Old Covenant, that the anointing of God, the manifest presence of God uh, in people's lives was really reserved for the prophet, the priest, and the king. For the most part, you know, I mean, on occasion, if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll see that how the Lord filled so-and-so with the wisdom to make the curtains of the temple. And, you know, he would on occasion would give people a special, 
portion of, of uh, spiritual wisdom. And most of the time when you see that it was in relation to some work that they were doing uh, for the Lord, uh, especially as it relates to the temple. Uh, but as a whole, if you look at the whole Old Testament, it was pretty much reserved for the prophet, the priest, and the king. But in the New Testament, you know, if you go back to Ezekiel, we find out that the, the goal of the Lord was to get the Spirit of God into all of us, right? Not just in a select few. So in the New Testament, we have the blessing that all of us have the Spirit of God in us, right? All of us are born again. All of us have the Spirit of God in us. And then we can have the second work of the Holy Spirit of being filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. So all of us have the capacity to work with the Spirit, work with the Spirit of God, work with the Lord in our uh, role on the earth. Amen. And, and that would not just be limited to uh, only ministry things, right? To limited to only when you're laying hands on the sick or only when you're, you know, raising the dead, you know, th- those types of things. Uh, he lives on us every single day, doesn't he? And, you know, if you're not called to the pulpit, then there are things that God's called you to do, right? Uh, he may want you to work in a particular job because that's your mission field. And there may be people in that job that will only listen to you. Well, you can be anointed to do your job uh, as you're in the mission field of that job and do your work and be the best employee that there is. Amen. Uh, and so the, the Spirit of God is not just for uh, the ministry gifts and not just for the laying out of hands. It's for your everyday life. Amen. Whatever you're called to do, there is an anointing or presence of God that is associated with that call. So uh, whatever that thing is, the Spirit of God will give you the grace and the power to do that job well. Uh, and, you know, there's been times and seasons when, when I was working in the corporate world uh, and I would have some brand new project that I didn't know how to do. I would uh, spend time in prayer. Lord, you know how to do this. I don't know how to do this, but you know how to do this. You know all things. Uh, and the presence of God would come in and, and give me wisdom and understanding about how to execute that job. And so, uh, so there, there's, a, there's a lot of things about um, the Spirit of God that's helpful for the Christian to know. And that's what we want to what, what learn is how do we get access to that? How do we work with that? It's not something that, that um, uh, is impossible to obtain. Amen. Uh, and, you know, even in the New Testament, I've, uh, I've heard some ministers kind of imply that, well, the anointing is only for the ministry. You know, it's not for, you know, the regular riffraff of the church, right? It, it's only for us elite ministers and special people, right? Uh, and um, that's not really the way the Lord intended it to be. He intended the Spirit of God to be uh, distributed among all of his people, Amen. And each individual has a unique calling on their life. And whatever that unique calling is on your life, there is an anointing that goes along with that. Uh, the presence of God is there with you to fulfill that call upon your life. Uh, and, and so, um, and as we get into that, we'll, we'll look at that some more. So let's, let's go back to, uh, all the way back in the Old Testament to Isaiah. Uh, and, you know, I think probably most people know this verse. But I want to read it in a few different translations so we get some good insight to it. Uh, and so this, this verse says, uh, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So one of the great benefits of the anointing is it has the capacity to break the, the strongholds of whatever uh, you're dealing with in your life. And so... Uh, you know, any yoke, because uh, it says that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. 
Now we know in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, at the end of the chapter, he says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? So uh, a yoke, uh, and um, I think folks like probably Jerry and Johnny have used yoke with, with uh, you know, oxen or, or, you know, something, right? What kind of mammal did you hook a yoke up to, right? Uh, I guess, uh, uh, what's that, mules, right? That sort of thing. And so the yoke is there. You attach it to the, uh, uh, to the animal. And then you, as, as the person behind that yoke, you can control the direction of that animal, right? If, if you need to, to turn, turn left, you jerk on the yoke on the left-hand side, and, it, and that animal goes that way. And if the animal is well-trained, it will yield to that yoke pretty easily. And so the yoke is there with the intention of directing your path. But when it's the yoke of the enemy, it's there to control your path. You know, the Lord wants to direct your path, but, he, but uh, you know, he wants to control it, but only as, as you allow him to control it. The enemy will demand that he controls you. And so when the enemy gets a yoke on your life, he will drive your life. You ever been driven by the enemy? Uh, and you ever known people that are driven by the enemy? They just seem like they're always uh, in such a turmoil in their life. Uh, and that's a yoke, right? Some people, they have a yoke of anger, right? Yoke of emotions or yoke of depression, a yoke of, of disaster. You know, you ever know people that everything in their life just, it, it explodes? You know, you just get around them and just, wow, their car just exploded. I mean, uh, why? well, that's just their life, right? The, some people's lives, it's always that way. You, you ever notice that way? What, why is that? Because it's a yoke, right? And, and, and the Bible says that the yoke can be and shall be destroyed because of the anointing, because of the presence of God. And so you have the capacity to live a life with no other yokes other than what you allow the Lord to put upon you. He said, my yoke is easy. The yoke of the devil is not easy, right? It's, it's oppressive. It's painful. Uh, it's driving. Uh, but the yoke of the Lord is easy, right? He'll say, hey, why don't you go down there and talk to that person over there? And, well, I don't want to do that, Lord. You know, okay. you know, he won't jerk you and he won't uh, uh, be mean to you. Uh, you know, uh, you can choose to follow his yoke. You can choose not to follow his yoke. It's always been a choice, right? Uh, if you were intelligent, you would uh, choose to yield to his yoke. Uh, but yokes are there to destroy or to control your life. So uh, sickness and disease is a yoke. You ever know people that, that are sick? And of course, some people are sickly, right? It seems like they're always sick uh, in some way. Uh, but then some people, they have uh, significant sickness and disease in their life. And their entire life, it ends up being about that sickness and disease. They have to maintain it, have to take all the medicine, have to go to the doctors. And, uh, and we're not disparaging people with sickness and disease, but it's a yoke, right? It controls their entire life, uh, how they sleep and where they go and what they can do and what they can't do. It entirely controls their life. Well, that's a yoke. That is not a yoke from the Lord, but it is a yoke. It's something that controls your life. Uh, and so that's a big portion of people's lives, right? Sometimes people's past. Uh, is a yoke to them. It's a hindrance to their life. It controls their life. They can't move forward because of what happened yesterday. And it becomes a yoke for them. It controls their life, right? Whatever happened to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the great thing about uh, the Lord is he can destroy that yoke that's uh, controlling your life from your past, right? Your past doesn't have to control you. Amen. Uh, now, we all have a past. Amen. Uh, and you can't change your past. It's, it's the past, right? It's already happened. Uh, and so, um, but it shouldn't control you. you, know, you I mean, you know uh, my story. I was an orphan when I was 15 uh, and, uh, you know, then went through a lot of different things uh, th uh, through different churches. And, 
Uh, you ever been a church that been to a church that was unkind to you? You know, uh, I mean, we know people every day that the good people that they don't go to church anymore because somebody did something at church, right? Some did un, some unkind thing, and now their future is controlled by their past. Well, that's a yoke. You know, your future should not be controlled by your past. Your future should be ideally controlled just by the word of God and the spirit of God. And who cares what happened yesterday? But that, but that's easy for me to say because, you know, I don't live that way. But other people, they don't even understand that. Well, you know, your tomorrow doesn't have to be defined by your yesterday. Uh, and, and it's so, such a foreign thought to some people that, uh, that they don't know how to go tomorrow because, well, I can't do that because of this thing happened to me. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, and, 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 and um, you know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings about this, but sometimes people think, well, I've gone through this tragedy. Now my whole life has to be ministering to people who went through the same tragedy that I went through, implying that you have to go through a tragedy before you can help people with a tragedy. But how many tragedies did Jesus go through? He didn't go through any tragedies. Did, was he able to help everybody? He was. And that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, empathize with people. And if the Lord does call you to that, that's fine. But it's, it's almost like they, they put themselves in a box that I can only help people in that area, you know, and, and brother Randy got in, involved in that, you know, uh, after uh, he got out of prison, right? You remember the story, uh, Randall Greer was, was uh, sentenced to life without parole in prison for, for being just a hoodlum, and, and, uh, but the Lord uh, got him out of it, you know, got him uh, uh, out of prison, got him a full pardon, uh, and because he was involved in drugs and alcohol, you know, uh, people said, well, you should start a drug and alcohol rehab uh, ministry and so he did uh, and uh, he did it because people told him well because that was your life before then that's who you need to minister going forward but the lord never called him to do that and i'm not saying people aren't called to do that i'm sure people are called to do that but the lord didn't call him to do that so it just was a burden to him until he to the lord said well why are you doing that that's what i'm supposed to do because that's what i did before but your past is, is not what defines your future amen uh, and so it should be the Lord defines your future. So, uh, so uh, you know, uh, anything that's a yoke that's controlling you other than the word of God and the spirit of God, you should strive to remove that out of your life. Amen. And the Bible says that it's the anointing that can destroy that yoke. So once it's destroyed, it no longer has power over you. Amen. So if there are things that are in your past that are controlling you, controlling your thought life, controlling, you know, well, I'm no count. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm worthless, uh, you know, because I've done this thing or this thing happened to me. Those are all yokes that can be destroyed by the presence of God. Amen. So that you can go forth and then just do whatever you want to do. Well, I'm, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have to be limited to thinking like that. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who just think they're just unworthy people uh, of no value to anybody, including the Lord. Well, that's a yoke. That's not true at all. The Lord created you before he, the Lord had you in mind before he put a single star in the sky with desires for goodness and blessings in your life. Uh, and, uh, and you have every right and privilege as a child of God to live in that every day. Uh, you are not uh, doomed or destined to live a, a life, you know, a, a mediocre life of sadness and depression and, and, and being controlled by your thoughts. The Lord never desired that. Uh, but, you know, some people's confession keeps them in that. Well, I guess it's just my lot in life to bear. Burn the lot, you know, get another lot, right? Uh, that's not your lot in life to bear. Your lot in life to bear is, Jesus said, uh, my yoke is easy, my burden, which is the thing that you should bear, is still light, right? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So, 
You can live free from that. Uh, it's not uh, the, the plan of God that you live that way. Uh, and so I wanted to read some other translations of this where it says that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Uh, one says uh, uh, that it shall be ruined, uh, the yoke shall be ruined from off your shoulders. Uh, it, uh, one says it'll rot before your face at the sight of the oil. Uh, your burden will be lifted. The yoke will, de- will decay at the appearance of the evil. Uh, the yoke will be torn away. Now, the, the word anointing there, uh, it, it, has, uh, it has some, um, uh, some definitions of, of being fat, right? And, of course, in some cultures, being fat is a sign of prosperity, right? Uh, and I think we've got a lot of prosperous people in America, right? Uh, but uh, the anointing, when it's talked about that, it just means that the bigness of the anointing is so big that the yoke can't contain it. Uh, and that's really what happens when you get the bigness of God living inside of you. It's so big that only God can contain it. And nothing else, there's no yoke that can contain uh, that anointing. Uh, in fact, one says the yoke will be taken away because your neck will be too large. Uh, one says that it will be, uh, uh, it'll be broken because you become so strong. And that word anointing also has uh, an implication of prosperity. Uh, and it's not just a financial prosperity, but, you know, if you're happy all the time, is that is that prosperous? Well, sure it is. Right. Uh, and so one says that the yoke could be destroyed because of your prosperity. Uh, and so. So let's let's turn over then. So the the yoke, the anointing has great power, right? It has power to destroy anything in your life that's controlling you other than the word of God and the spirit of God. And that's really uh, where 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 you can have hope that, OK, I can live that way. Amen. Now, there's a lot of people who try to control people, right? Uh, and um, the yoke can destroy that, too. So let's turn over to the book of Luke, and, and let's look at uh, what Jesus said here in Luke uh, chapter 18. So we know, um, oh, it's not chapter 18, in, ver- in chapter 4, verse 18, so I want to go. And so just before this, of course, um, uh, Remember, Jesus went uh, to the River Jordan, was baptized of John in the River Jordan. And then the Bible says that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted of the devil. Uh, and then uh, at the end of that, then uh, it says in, uh, in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, verse 14, and Jesus returned. So this is after being in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And they went out of fame of him throughout all the region round about him. Uh, now, now, that word power there is the, the word dunamis, right? It's the Greek word that, that uh, uh, means supernatural, miracle-working power of God. Uh, and so that's how Jesus returned, right? After he was baptized in, after he was baptized in the River Jordan by, the, by uh, John the Baptist. And then he went to the, to the, to the wilderness for 40, 40 days. Then he returned in the power Right, the supernatural miracle working power of God. Uh, and of course, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what well, people say. Well, that's Jesus, you know, and that, you know, that uh, I can't live that way. And we'll find out what, what the word says about that. And so after he did that, then it says in verse 15, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, and so in verse 15 there, where he said uh, that he taught in their synagogues, well, how did he teach? Well, he taught by the anointing, by the power of God, right? Uh, and so if you notice there in verse 14, he says that uh, he returned in the power of the Lord. Well, what is that power? Well, it tells you that in verse 18, that uh, how uh, that the spirit of the Lord is upon him because he hath anointed him. So the power of God that we have operating in our life is the anointing of God. It is they're they're one of the same. Right. In fact, uh, we're there in in Luke chapter four. Turn over to, to Acts uh, chapter 10. You know, a lot of times we I think we know a lot of these verses, but if we put them together uh, in uh, in this uh, in this teaching, I think we'll get some more understanding about it. Uh, and so. Uh, here in uh, Acts chapter 10, this is, of course, the story of Peter at Cornelius' house. But he says this about the Lord. He says in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. So uh, who did God anoint? In verse 38, who did God anoint? Jesus, but Jesus... Uh, of who? Jesus of Nazareth, right? So, uh, of course, uh, what, what is the Lord's title, right? We call him Jesus what? Jesus Christ, right? That's his title. And the word Christ there is also means uh, the Messiah, right? Jesus the Messiah. But the word Messiah also means, if you go back all the way to the Hebrew, it means the anointed one. Uh, and so that was his title. But he wasn't Jesus Christ until after he was anointed, right? Uh, and so he was Jesus. So who was he anointed with? Well, it says right there in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So God, and, and we're going to get into some other discussions about this in just a minute. Uh, but uh, notice that the combination of those two words here again in verse 38. Uh, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and what? Power. So uh, the anointing and power go together. Amen. So, so if you want power in your life, you need to have the anointing of God operating in your life. Amen. And the anointing of God, you know, in some respects, it's, it's sovereign. We're going to talk about that as we go along in the sense that God chooses to do it how he wants to. But, it, but whatever you're called to do, there's an anointing for that in your life. Amen. Uh, and, and sometimes where people get in trouble is they look over there and see that person. They say, well, I want that anointing. Well, that's only available if that's what you're called to do. Right. He's not going to anoint you to, you know, I want to be anointed to be a, a great musician. I mean, that may be my desire, but it ain't going to happen. Right. And I'm not called to do that. And so uh, so God anointed Jesus of Nazareth uh, with the Holy Holy Ghost and with power. Uh, and so. So you'll see those two things go together, right? The anointing and power uh, and, and the anointing and it's supernatural miracle work and power. So notice how, how God, who God anointed here in Acts 10, 38, Jesus of Nazareth. So this is where uh, when you're talking about Jesus in his ministry, you know, a lot of times people will put Jesus in, in a position in his ministry that, uh, uh, that that makes it where none of us can do what he did. Uh, that, well, he was the son of God. Well, was he the son of God? Well, sure he was. Was he God? He was God. Uh, but when he came to the earth, how did he minister? Uh, when he was operating in the earth, did he operate as the son of God? He didn't operate as the son of God because uh, if you go through 
you know, the, the history of Jesus, because we have very little uh, information about his history, but there was, there was no miracles in Jesus' life until he was anointed by, uh, by the Holy Spirit, right, after, after coming out of the, the river Jordan being baptized by John. So there was no miracles. There was no raising from the dead. There was no healing. Uh, there was no teaching or instruction from Jesus until he was anointed. Uh, and so why is that? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that. Let's read what the Bible says over in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, let's see what we're doing over here on time. Y'all, we're doing fine, right? We'll be here all day long if we want to be. Uh, and so it's raining outside. You can't play golf or anything, so might as well be here, right? So in Philippians chapter 2, uh, he says here, uh, I mean, you could just read anywhere. Let's start in verse 5. So let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So was he equal with God? He was equal with God because he was God. Uh, but he said it, he thought it not robbery. And that's kind of, we don't really use it, that, that, that phrase, but uh, this thought of not robbery, something to be held on to or to be grasped, right? So, so, you know, when the Lord said, I need you to go down to the earth and to be born of a woman, right? Galatians chapter 4 says he was born of a woman, right? Uh, and so uh, I need you to go and, and take this position on the earth uh, to be uh, another Adam, right? Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he's called uh, uh, the... the second man of the last Adam, uh, and I need you to go do that. I need you to go to the earth and fulfill this ministry. And so, uh, so if Jesus said, no, I'm not giving up my position, then see, that would have been robbery. He'd have been grasping and, and, and holding on to his position as uh, part of the Trinity in heaven and saying, I'm unwilling to give that up. Uh, and, but he wasn't that way, right? He was a very uh, unselfish uh, person there, the Lord uh, the Lord Jesus was. So it says uh, in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So are we God? I mean, are we all powerful, all seeing, all knowing? No. I mean, we can barely get out of bed sometimes in the morning, right? I mean, if, uh, without uh, some help, right? Uh, and so compared to the Lord. So what did, what did the Lord do? He gave all that up, right? And he came uh, to, to the earth to be born, of a, be born of a woman, be born of a virgin, right, uh, on the earth. And so he chose as an act of his will to give that up, right? Now, he was still, he was still God, right? Uh, but he chose to not use that ability as God while he was on the earth. Uh, and so that means that he had to be anointed of God to, in order to do something, right? If you go to John chapter 5, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. Well, that seems really odd to say if he's, if he's God, right? How can he do nothing of himself if he's God? Because of Philippians 2, 7 says he gave that up, right? Now, he's got it back, right? Now he's in the, on the throne of God. He's now in back full capacity as it was before he was on the earth. But in the short time that he was on this earth, he chose to give up that capacity. And, and you know, that, that, I mean, that understanding is throughout the New Testament, and, and it's easy to come to that understanding. Uh, but that, in some circles, that's nearly heresy to talk about that, to say that Jesus gave up who he was to come to the earth as a limited human being, right? Because when he was on the earth, remember when he was in John chapter 4, when he was talking to the woman at the well? 
Well, you know, when he was talking to the woman at the well, he wasn't anywhere else. That's where he was because he was a man, right? He was in physical form. He couldn't be everywhere at once. Now, now in heaven, Jesus can be everywhere at once. Now, how does that work? I have no idea, but he can be, right? Because he's God. He can do anything he wants to do uh, in a sense of being God. Uh, but while he was on the earth, he chose to give all that up. Amen. And, and so uh, in order for him to operate then and to minister, it was necessary for him to be anointed, right? That's why Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So uh, if Jesus operated by being anointed by the Holy Spirit, then how do we as Christians operate? We, anoint, we operate by being anointed of the Holy Spirit. So, so uh, you know, and you go through, and, and I don't want to go down that rabbit path because it's, it's a great rabbit path, but we don't have time to do that. But if you look at um, and go through kind of the plan of redemption of, you know, why did Jesus do what he did? You know, it's always good to, when you're reading the scriptures, you know, Lord, why'd you do that? You know, why'd you do it that way? Or why'd you even do that at all? Uh, you know, it's like being born of a virgin. Why, was he, why, why did he have to be born of a virgin? I mean, he could have been born like everybody else was born, but, but it was necessary for him to be born of a virgin. There was a lot of reasons for that. But there were some reasons that were, that were really helpful because, you know, some people are of the opinion that, well, Adam was doomed to fail. You ever heard people say that? Well, you know, there's no chance Adam was going to fail anyway, you know, so there's no, no way that uh, anybody could succeed uh, in that situation. So by being born of a virgin, Jesus, the Bible calls him... Uh, you know, the second Adam, right? Uh, the last Adam, the second man. He calls him uh, like, like he was like Adam. So Adam was born of the father, right? So Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was born of the father, right? He came through Mary, but he was born of the father. So, so in essence, uh, because of that, he didn't have a sin nature in him. So he was, in essence, just like Adam, right? No sin nature, born of the father in the earth, uh, and so one of the th- reasons why Jesus was born of a virgin is to prove and to, and to remove that thought that, that nobody could live that way successfully. So Jesus was just like Adam. Did he live successfully? Did he sin? Did he violate the, the will of God anywhere in his life? No. So he just wanted to remove that lie that, well, Adam was doomed to fail, right? Adam was not doomed to fail. Adam chose to fail. Uh, Jesus came just like Adam, didn't fail. Uh, and so that, that was, and that was a big reason why Jesus wanted to come that way so that he can remove that whole thought of, well, you know, nobody can make it. Uh, even, even Adam couldn't make it. No, Jesus was just like Adam, had no more power or no less power than Adam had when he was on the earth. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm, I'm going to read Philippians 2, 7 in a, in a couple different translations. It says that he made himself of no reputation. So in other words, he, he just gave it up, right? Uh, and you know, sometimes the Lord asks you to give up things. Are you willing to do that? Well, Lord, I like being, you know, the grand poobah. Yeah, but I need you to, you know, to sweep the floors. Yeah, but Lord, I don't want to sweep the floors, right? Uh, no reputation, right? Uh, and, you know, it's really, if we can learn to live that way, uh, you know, every now and then reputation rises up, you know, uh, even in my life. It's like, you know, and, and the Lord be like, uh, you know, why you're upset? Why? Because you got a reputation. Oh, man, I don't want to be upset. You know, you, you ever get your feelings hurt because somebody doesn't respect you enough, right? They don't call you sir or whatever, you know. I mean, I mean I've, I've got a doctorate degree, but in certain circles, my doctorate degree is like, it's not as good as my doctorate degree. Oh, okay, well, I didn't know there was a competition, but, you know. Uh, and so they, they won't call me doctor, they call me mister, right? Mister so-and-so. And it's, you know, it's an intentional slight, you know, by certain people. And, you know, that only hurts my feelings if I have a reputation, right? Uh, 
And to be honest, it's probably hurt my feelings once or twice, you know, in certain circles. And, and so, but you know what? I get to grow up every day. Uh, and so, so I've got to be of no reputation. So Jesus was no reputation. He's the son of the most high God. You know, he is God. And yet he had to hang on the cross uh, in a shameful uh, display in front of all of his own creation. Now, you can only do that if you've got no reputation. Amen. So he, he, he made himself of no reputation. Uh, one tradition says he emptied himself. One tradition says he voided himself. One says he laid aside his mighty power and glory. So he laid it aside, right? He, he took who he was. He temporarily laid it aside so he can come to the earth and operate as a man uh, that, was, uh, 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 that was anointed by the Holy Spirit to show us, here's how you can operate in the earth. Here's how I want you to operate in the earth. And so that's available to every New Testament Christian to operate just like Jesus did because he came and set everything up uh, to show us that, you know, without the power of God, no miracles. With the power of God, miracles, right? Uh, and so uh, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be raising everybody from the dead tomorrow or anything. Uh, but uh, let's look at one more scripture and then, then we'll go. Just I wanted to, to just show you there in Luke, uh, the book of Luke there. Uh, like Luke chapter 2 there. We'll look at that. Or actually, Luke chapter 3 there, just before. And so uh, here in Luke chapter 3, it says in verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying that heaven was open and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice from heaven, uh, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So this is when Jesus, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy, Holy, Holy Ghost and power. This is when he was anointed, right? And then he went from here to the wilderness to uh, Nazareth and said, uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So this is when it started right here, right? In, in, in uh, Luke chapter 3. So from this point on now, Jesus is the anointed one, right? Uh, so he was always the Messiah, but now he's actually fulfilling the role as the Messiah, as being the anointed one. So uh, we'll, we'll stop there for today. Uh, and, uh, and throughout this, we'll be uh, reminding you that the same way that Jesus operated on the earth is the same way that he wants us to operate on the earth. No difference. You know, there's a difference in scale. We'll look at that uh, as we go along there. Uh, but... If, if he set it up that way, then we have a right to live that way. Amen. If, he, if it was his desire for us to do that, then we have the capacity to do that. Amen. That doesn't mean that everybody in the church is doing that. Now, this whole topic, you know, a lot of people in the church, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about this at all? This doesn't make any sense at all. Let's just go print some tracks and go, you know, door to door and do some, you know, do some witnessing like that and come up with some trickery, trickery, you know, to convince people to be saved. And let's just do it that way. And, but the Lord's desire was that we operate by power in everything we do. Amen. All of us, right? Not just the minister gifts, not just the preachers. Uh, all of us as the, as the body of Christ, the Lord's desire is for us to live that. And, and I think, you know, in the church, that this is a huge area, a huge thing that we just have not taken advantage of. Uh, and it's really the, the way that the Lord desired that all of us in the church operate like this. That was always the plan from heaven 
from the very first day. And we'll see as we go through, you know, the book of Acts and show you that that was the plan of, of the Lord from the very beginning of the church, that we operate in the anointing, all of us. Amen. Uh, and so in, in my heart, it's such a big thing. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason why I guess I've never taught it before, because it, it's such a big thing. But it's also such a holy thing that, uh, you know, it, it would just um, I, my heart goes out to the parts of the church who, when they hear a topic like this, to think, you know, that's such an irrelevant thing. You know, that's such an un, unimportant thing to talk about. Uh, and I think it's it's as far as your day to day life, as far as what you're called to do. I don't know of any more important topic about how to operate what you're called to do more effectively than this topic right now. Amen. Uh, and so, so I don't know if my desire is to be able to get that same same understanding in your heart that this is a very important thing to learn about. Amen. Uh, and um, and like we talked about uh, last week, that there's a lot of voodoo, a lot of weird stuff that people do in this area that, you know, we need to kind of get things in order and, and not be weird. And uh, I mean, we're weird enough just by doing what the Lord says to do. Right. But we don't want to add any weirdness to that. Amen. Uh, and so um, let's pray. and We'll thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you that, that we are uh, operating in this earth by your spirit, Father, by the same anointing that Jesus had. We can be anointed by the same Holy Spirit, Father, to do everything that you've called us to do. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask you that as we go uh, through this teaching that you granted to us wisdom and understanding and insight uh, into how to apply these things to our individual lives. And I thank you, Father, that you will do that uh, because we've asked you to do that. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Let's get ready to receive um, communion today. Amen. So first of the month and um, um, just a good time to remind ourselves what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Uh, and to remind ourselves that the Lord uh, has been good uh, and, um, uh, and he's provided great blessings for us. Amen. Well, praise God, while Jared's handing it out, you know, the, the Lord did this just before he went to the cross, right? One of the last things he did uh, is uh, he wanted to, to fix this in their minds about here's the things that I've done for you. And just a couple of things, right? Because he's done so much for us. Uh, if we had to eat something that represented everything he did for us, we'd have to eat an, an entire meal every time we thought about it. Amen. So, uh, but he picked a couple of things that were very important to the church. One is the health of your physical body, and one is the cleanness of your life from sin. Uh, and so he picked those two things to focus on because they're two big things in the church. Amen. Uh, you know, if you could remove all sickness and disease from the church, how much better would the church be off, be, be uh, overall? Amen. Uh, and so he, he told the disciples, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Right. He chose to allow his body to be beaten and to, to receive stripes on his back and thorns on his head and, and to suffer on the cross uh, for our healing. Amen. Uh, and so however the Lord figures that out, you know, he figured out that if he takes so many stripes, you know, uh, so much uh, so much damage to his body, that that would be equivalent to paying for all the cost of of uh, obtaining healing for our bodies. 
So uh, I'm glad he's smart enough to figure those things out, right? I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But however, that, however he did, uh, uh, then every stripe that he received uh, in the time that he was uh, being tried, then he knew, okay, that stripe right there, cancer, blood disease, right? Uh, heart, uh, uh, heart condition and, and uh, you know, migraine headaches and every stripe he took, you know, I'm sure the thought went through his mind about, okay, that, that, now that's taken care of, right? All cancers, that's all taken care of, right? All, 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 all uh, diabetes, that's taken care of. Uh, every time he took a stripe, I'm sure he was thinking, okay, yeah, uh, w- uh, what'd that take care of? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. You know, uh, he, d- he didn't desire to be uh, beaten, but, uh, you know, for the joy that was set before him, right? He knew that by receiving that stripe, that would pay for whatever the thing was, right? Uh, aches and pains and bone disease and, you know, whatever the thing was, uh, he was willing to do it. And so he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. So that's a big thing, right? That the Lord was gracious to do that for us. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for uh, the community today. So, Father, we thank you for this bread, which does represent your body. And, Father, we thank you that we can and have the privilege to live in divine health because everything that this bread represents, Father, is everything you did for us uh, in taking stripes on your back, Father, so that we can live uh, a life free from sickness and disease, Father, all the days of our lives. And so, Lord, we receive it by faith, thanking that we can live free from every sickness and disease and malady in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And, Father, there's no more precious substance in all the universe than the blood of the Lord Jesus. You said that the blood was shed so that we could be free from sin, washed and made clean from sin. And, Father, if we can be washed and made clean from sin, that means we can be washed and made clean from all the remembrance of the sin, reminding ourselves of all the terrible things we've done wrong. But, Father, that's just the same as being washed from the sin. So, Father, we thank you that not only can we be washed clean from the sin, that all the memory of that sin that we've committed can go along with that, Father. And we can stand before you clean, not because we're perfect and, and we've never done anything wrong, but because we believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you that we are clean by your blood. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God that uh, Jared will come up and collect all of that. Um, um, and um, well, there's Miss Diane. Hey, Miss Diane. Uh, Miss Diane, I need to pray for you if that's okay. I was thinking you're in nursery, so. Uh, but you've been here all service, right? You've sat right there, and I've seen you all service. But is it okay if I pray for you? I just feel like I need to pray for you. So if you come up here, we'll lay hands on you. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. And so, Father, let's just pray real quick and thank the Lord for his goodness and kindness. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for being good to us and reminding us how much you care about us and how you desire, Father, to fill us uh, with your word, fill us with your will. And so, Father, we just thank you for being good to us each and every day. And, Father, I thank you for Miss Diane. And, Lord, I thank you for all that you've called her to do. I thank you, Father, that you desire good things for her each and every day, Father. I thank you, Father, that you remind her every day how much you care for her and desire good things for her. And so, Father, I thank you that you will fill her with your spirit and fill her, Father, with all the joy that comes 
from following your will. And Father, I thank you for the things you've called her to do and how you've anointed her, Father, and how these hands, Father, have the capacity to, to transfer your power and ability into other people's lives. So, Father, I thank you for this, your child. Father, call from before the foundation of the world. And, Lord, I thank you that you will reveal yourself to her, Father, and you will reveal your path and plan for her, Father, each and every day, Father. And, Father, I thank you that that uh, no wandering has to take place, Father. No wondering has to take place. Father, she can be filled with the real knowledge of your will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, Father, we thank you for that. And, Father, I thank you for her heart, Father. That her heart's desire is to do your desire. And, Father, that makes her qualified. That makes her, Father, able to be used of the Master. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, I thank you for wisdom and understanding and grace and peace in her life. And, Father, we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for being so good to us, for being so kind towards us. And, Father, we thank you that... You only desire good things for us. Uh, Father, you are gracious. Father, slow to anger and of great mercy. And so, Father, we thank you that your tender mercies are over all of your works. And, Father, we are your work, and so you have tender mercies towards us each and every day. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive... Um, this morning's tithes and offerings. So uh, don't forget, uh, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And um, um, the next Sunday, we'll have our church meal, right? Mexican food, amen? Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, we appreciate y'all's faithfulness and giving, amen? The Lord is good. and He's been good to us and kind towards us. And um, um, <clears throat> it's such a small thing for us to to return to him a portion of the things that he's blessed us with. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, when I was in high school, after my parents passed away, I, I was saved between them passing away. And, um, uh, you know, you may not know this, but if you're a minor and your parents were on Social Security and then they die, you get Social Security until you're no longer a minor. So I was, um, I was getting Social Security, you know, as, as a teenager. Uh, and... Um, tithing on my social security check as a as a teenager right uh, and so i've been tithing ever since and the lord's always been there right uh, david said that i was young and now i'm old and i've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread and i'm not old but uh you know i'm older than i was when i started tithing amen and i've never uh, i've never been forsaken and i've never seen his his uh, his righteous uh begging bread amen uh and so uh, we'll be blessed have a wonderful week in the lord and you're dismissed